how many cracking jokes can we fit into this podcast we do not know i'm sure that you have probably utilized every single one and the season has not even started it's imminent we are back uh there are four of us this time on nhl fans from afar uh, a new season underway for us and a new season for the nhl lots to get talking about including a new team on the block a few changes up top down below all around any free agents oh, and just a whole bunch of things and basically Jolon's fallen in love or still loves joe thornton even after watching all or nothing welcome to nhl fans from afar so hello i'm claire if you're new to nhl fans from afar i'm always joined by uh, several other crazy people who love supporting the NHL ice hockey, uh, who don't live in North America. Let me introduce to you who happens to be alongside me today. Uh, Jolan Kemp-Walker, how Hi. are you? Uh, good, thank you. Today is a historic day. Oh, okay. Historic day. Is it? For those of you uh, listening to the podcast, this will mean nothing to you, but... Uh, for those who can see the Zoom call that we're on uh, in glorious video, then uh, this is the first time that I have worn a Leafs jersey since their exit last You season. know what? I am exactly the same. We are both Leafs fans, in case you're new to the podcast. I am exactly the same. I, I couldn't, I just couldn't bring myself to to even, well, really look at them, but definitely not actually put one on in case I had to have a chat with somebody about it. Um, so yeah, they've been uh, collecting dust at the back of the wardrobe ever since. And uh, you put the message out today that you thought it would be nice if we all uh, geared up for tonight. And I thought, do you know what? I feel like now is the time. This should be the beginning of the regular season if we weren't still kind of feeling the effects of COVID. So it feels right that now is the time. New season. Last year, ugh, who cares about last year? It's all about 2021, wow. I'm going to take a photo, actually, um, of like the way the Zoom call is laid out, because on my screen, it's perfectly formed east and west. So myself and Jolon are representing the Eastern Conference. Um, and then we have Craig Jones and Matt Day, who are representing the West. I mean, Matt, let me just come to you. Uh, you. You were kind of alongside us for most of last year, bearing the brunt of the non-Leafs fan on the team. How are you doing how has it been in the world of green that is Dallas Stars? Uh, it's good. It's nice for the players to have a bit of a rest after the hectic schedule last year for, for the Stars. So um, everybody seems touching lots of wood healthy at the moment. So fingers crossed can stay that way for the majority of the season. Um, you say nice. rest for the players, but actually it was also a rest for you as a fan. Yeah, but I, did, I didn't have a playoff run. Like like you Leafs fans, you know that that was that was long. Yeah, yeah, long that epic you. playoff run. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, the reason I got a year long Premier Sports subscription, Matt, that epic <laughs> long run. Yeah, but it's nice to have Craig uh, on the podcast so that it's it's you know we're working towards this not just being a Leafs podcast, <laughs> balancing it up. Good luck. Yeah, the title, Craig. Um, welcome back to the podcast. You you were with us for an episode um, last year and you were obviously, we met you because you you were running your own podcast, covering po- podcast um, and now you're kind of here. I mean, awesome to have you with us. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, life's incredibly busy 
Um, I I could do with three or four hours a day extra if, uh-huh. if possible. And if I could find those three or four hours extra, I would love to continue podcasting. You have brilliantly given me somewhere that I can ramble for for an hour every so often, um, which saved the wife listening to it, to be honest. And, and she doesn't really understand. <laughs> um, so, so, so th- thanks for having me. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, not a Leafs podcast, uh, a very varied NHL podcast, hopefully. Uh, thanks to me and Mark this year. Yeah, so you are Colorado Avalanches fan. I think you could have a few things to say about the Kraken and their goaltending, I imagine. Yeah, uh, they've they've got really, really, really poor net minded. Nowhere near as good as what Colorado I've got anymore. <laughs> <clears throat> wow. I mean, there's a lot for us to kind of recap isn't there and actually we're going to kind of spin things a little bit this season so we're actually um we're going to drop the podcast down to fortnightly instead of weekly uh so don't worry if you click in next week and we're not there it's just that we realized perhaps fortnightly might kind of work a little bit better with our lives so that we can kind of keep up with things um and also we're going to introduce a couple of features uh one which um we have shamelessly pilfered slashed uh, sought credit from uh, we're taking from Craig's uh, success of his podcast the idea of splitting things into three periods so we have three talking points um, for each episode and we also have the floor open for a 60 second rant uh, you we could have... call it overtime overtime brilliant I literally came up with that on the spot I'm back Oh, it's good, isn't it? Ah. That, that's you done for the season, Jalen. Yeah, that's it. I'll just put myself on mute now. Enjoy it. Cheers, <laughs> Right. So, I mean, I, I was going to start with the 60-second ramp, but now you've kind of thrown that, so we'll have to pull it at the end. We'll have to save that as our teaser. Um, I mean, the, the first thing that we kind of had as our, on our cards, I guess, for the first period is if you've been on a desert island, you've been hiding under a rock, uh, your jerseys have been tucked away at the back of the wardrobe inside several boxes, suitcases and bags. No names mentioned. Um, what have you missed in the off season? Um, I mean, in my true geek style, I kind of went and had a look at, well, you know, what's happened up top, where the coaching change has been. Um, you know, you guys are kind of a bit more across it when it comes to like trades and free agents. Where do we even start with this? I mean, I guess we, we have got a separate period all about Seattle Kraken. So don't worry, we haven't forgot that. We're not ignoring the fact there is a new team. I'll throw it open. Where where should we start, guys, with this idea of what on earth has happened in the last four months? So I think if we just very quickly take a couple of things and... um the thing that jumped out to me over the summer was, and it was actually the thing that re-engaged my brain in hockey, because as all hockey fans do, the season's so long and there's so many games that when the summer does come around, you do switch off from it. And it was very interesting this year of all years because of the way the seasons had kind of like blurred together. It felt like the entire hockey league took August off, like the media went quiet, the GMs went quiet, the teams went quiet, Seattle was all done. So there really was like this kind of silence. Um, and the only story really that cut through for me over there was um, <laughs> the one about um, Jesperi Kotkaniemi and his offer sheet. And we've talked about offer sheets a little bit on this podcast, but not in huge depth because really they're quite complicated and also they never happen. And that's the kind of running joke in the NHL has always been the offer sheets of this thing that 
very basically you can either have there are kind of two classes of free agents in the nhl you either have what they're called rfas which is restricted free agents or ufas which is unrestricted free agents unrestricted free agents can go wherever they want essentially they can do whatever sign whoever they want to restricted free agents are so complicated and i won't bore you all with the explanation of it but essentially the team kind of owns you and owns your contract and it's all about coming to an agreement of a deal and and your your rights really are, are attached to that team and yet there's this kind of thing in the central bargaining agreement where collective bargaining agreement which is about offer sheets which is essentially where another team can go along like carolina did this off season and say hey montreal we like your um your nice young center who's an rfa currently uh, without a contract uh, we're going to tender an offer sheet which is essentially they make an offer to the player and they say we're going to pay you x amount of money and it's up to the player to decide if they want to sign it in this scenario kokanyemi did now that's not unusual because that has happened before players have because they then use it as a bit of a bargaining tool uh, with their home club um and then the onus goes on that team then, their team who own that player, to kind of meet that deal, essentially. They have to they have to match it. Um, and if they don't match it, then the player goes and leaves and the rights transfer over. And there are kind of like picks and stuff that kind of go back the other way as compensation. So it's not just they lose the player and that's it. They're, you know, they do get players back. Um, but unbelievably, it happened. Montreal decided on one of their young centres that they didn't want to match that offer sheet from Carolina and Carolina now have a brand new center who was, you know, a a restricted free agent and leading up to the season, no one really had on their radar. And it all kind of stems back to just to finish this off. It all stems back to the the fact that Montreal did this the other way around that kind of a season or two before to one of their players um, in Carolina, the GM there put in a cheeky offer sheet for Sebastian Ajo, I think it was, um and even even down to the fact that they even mirrored the kind of social media post that um <laughs> that Montreal put out uh the previous two years they essentially changed the wording and the name of the player um so it was just one of those stories that you're like oh my god like NHL GMs are just like big kids and this big kid got annoyed with that big kid and this is just two years later revenge and I just couldn't believe it was happening in front of my eyes this summer <laughs> And you're you're right, John. It definitely was like playing games. Did you see the signing bonus? Yeah. No. What was yeah. this? God. Twenty dollars. <laughs> wow. I mean, not, not wow. twenty thousand dollars. Just twenty dollars. Which it was, was it? Oh, and wasn't it twenty dollars? Because that was the signing bonus that Montreal offered Sebastian Aho because that is his jersey number. Yeah. Um, so they so, even matched it to that level of detail. So Carolina and now the only, not only the only team with somebody signed by an offer sheet, I think they're the only team with two players signed to offer sheets because the Aho thing counts as an offer sheet. Of course. Is, is yeah, this just they tip, get tip for tap then? Or is this yeah. actually going to like kind of stem into, we might see this kind of pattern repeated with other teams? Is it just a one-off? Well, it, it, what's interesting is it is kind of it's kind of the reason why teams have always said or, or commentators have always said, well, offer sheets will never become a thing because, because you know, Montreal made this offer sheet to Aho and, you know, Carolina were never going to let Aho go. He's a different league of player. Of course, they were going to match that offer and keep him. But essentially by doing that now, Montreal have now lost a centre of their own two years later because of the same thing, because now obviously the, 
you know, Carolina can come come back and do the same thing. So there's kind of been this unwritten rule, seemingly, that offer sheets are there and anyone can do them, but no one does because don't you worry, we'll come back for you when you're at a pinch. And everything's so transparent in the NHL when it comes to salaries and all of that kind of stuff. You know, Carolina looked at what the Habs can do because they've got cap friendly as well. Like and they can they can look at what's available and they can say, if we offer him this much, that's really hard for the Habs to sign him. And that puts him in a really difficult position. And so, yeah, I, I guess if you are going to go into this situation and take the first shot, don't be surprised if a year or two later that team come back for you when you're the one in the position. Because it is cyclical. It's all teams all go through these cycles of having these young prospects and, you know, having older veterans and high caps and low caps. And it, yeah, it's just a kind of the story just happened very quickly over those two years and gone full circle. I mean, it's just, that's just crazy. If you think yeah. about what's happened in the last two years, I mean, gosh, that was probably like a sideline of a story, wasn't it? We could have all yeah. missed that in previous yeah. months. I mean, I suppose the, the biggest thing that I really felt was that this could be uh, the first proper season, if, uh, if it's right to use that word. We're going back to the full number of games. We're going back to East and West. We're going to back to Central Atlantic, Pacific, Metropolitan, with the added bonus of, you know, another team uh, in the Pacific. Um you know, the fact that we don't know what's going to happen between now and the 29th of April, 2022. It just kind of seems like such a long time away now. Everything seems such a long time away. I mean, what are you thinking, Craig, in terms of like um, the fact that things are back? This this could kind of mix it up, particularly say like, you know, we're, we're kind of thinking as Toronto fans, oh my God, we're going back into like the big boys uh, division now. What's the feeling out there really? Um, I'm really pleased the divisions have come back for so that I can watch more games when the Avs are on the East Coast. That that's going to help me. Um, in terms of in terms of the sort of the divisional layouts, I think it really helps with Seattle coming in. We'll get onto them in a minute, but to me, they're in a perfect division. Everything sort of last year were great, but I think if we'd have had two years of last year, everyone by around maybe Christmas would have found it really boring. I think you would have found it really, really boring. Um, there's teams that, that Colorado have, have not played for, for 18 months, probably longer. Um, and the teams that I don't really watch very often out on the East Coast, I, I've not seen for ages. So I'm looking forward to it probably more than a normal season, just just because I think the Abs are on the East Coast pretty much straight away after a couple of home games and they're playing like Florida, who I don't really watch much of, but I get to see them. Um, uh, Columbus, I think, as well. And I've probably not seen these teams play more than a couple of games in the probably past two years. Um, so it's a variety is the key for me. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, as a fan, it's a long season, isn't it, really? And, you know, the fact that we get to play, we play all the other teams twice, one home, one away. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then more in your division as well. Yeah. I mean, some of the other um, dates that I kind of looked out the winter classic is still going ahead the 1st of january um it's at target field it's minnesota wild versus um st louis blues uh, there's a kind of tbc around the winter olympic break um whether that's going to happen how it's going to happen um they're kind of sorting out there's, there's a bit of a sideline in the news at the moment about which players are potentially being selected that's the 7th to the 22nd of february 2022 and then whether the um, All-Star weekend will go ahead. Even an outdoor series has been announced. Uh, Nashville, 
um, versus Tampa Bay Lightning. That's the 26th of February. So February is like a busy month. How on earth do you get the NHL main schedule into that, really? Um, uh, yeah, I haven't really kept up up to date with what's happening with like, you know, the players and the Olympic break and they were deciding, weren't they, with the Players Association or something? The Olympics is an interesting one. I think what's happened is that the um, NHL PA and the NHL and the IIHF have all agreed um, that, <clears throat> that the players can go, but the NHL has a, a clause where they can pull out of it. So it's happening the players are going for the first time since 2014 or something like that, but um, they might not be going. So because of COVID and things, the NHL have got this option to kind of cancel it. I don't know how close to the wire they can they can do that. Um, but just, yeah. Just worth pointing out on that. I mean, the Olympics might seem a kind of an odd thing to talk about, but this is a huge deal in Canada and it's a huge deal for the players. It was one of the real kind of, gripes they had um with the kind of last collective bargaining agreement they had with the league and um there you know a lot of the interviews you listen to if you listen to kind of um, canadian podcasts at the moment and things like that coming out of the kind of the hockey world so much of the talk is already about the olympics and it's massive for these players and interestingly they've uh, they've just announced the first three players who are definitely going for team canada um, and that's Sidney Crosby, Conor McDavid and Alex Petrangelo. So, I mean, hardly surprising. But those are three players that have been named in Team Canada. And but what if uh, Conor McDavid has a terrible season? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're probably safe with those three. I think even if he's had a terrible season. I mean, even if he's got one leg, you'd take Conor McDavid with yeah. the type of talent terrible that that guy has. For him is uh, still a good season for everybody else. Absolutely. But it's, it's really interesting because it's... Um, it's a storyline that maybe over here we don't quite get the significance of, but it is it is huge. And the fact that, you know, Team Canada are going to have a full NHL team. And when you think of that team, we'll do a podcast closer to it and we'll talk about the line combinations that you can potentially have. But it's just so exciting when you think about it from that point of view. And particularly in a long regular season, it'll be an interesting little um, wrinkle to kind of catch our attention. A wrinkle. I love that. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, it'd be like fantasy team, wouldn't it, really, when you start putting those lines together? Well, who's going to be the number one centre, Crosby or McDavid? Yeah. Neither. 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 Who? Nathan McKinnon. Center. You must have known. Look at his cap hit. Come on. Look at his cap hit. He's not a number one center. Oh, yeah, he doesn't make enough money to be a number one center. He's a oh. third liner on the Leafs. <laughs> anyway. So, I mean, I guess the other thing as well is around um, what it's going to be like, I suppose, for fans who are in North America, because we know that with this sport, uh, something that was really missing if you were a fan of a team that was in the North Division was watching a game that was basically like just watching, I don't know them just do practice time <laughs> like where's where's the fans the energy that was being brought to the american teams was just so lacking if you were a canadian team watching um and that was a real shame even for montreal fans in the playoffs it, it was such a shame um i mean a little fact here i didn't know this um because I, I guess you've seen new york islanders have got a new arena it's going to be called the ubs that's got a seventeen thousand capacity I didn't know actually that Montreal has the biggest arena 
of all the NHL um, clubs. Uh, the Bell Centre has a capacity of 21,302, just to say. The two makes a difference. Um, but yeah, so capacity-wise, um, it looks to be that 31 teams are going to be at full capacity. The one that isn't is Vancouver Canucks because of health, legal health restrictions that say 50% capacity. Um, 22 um, uh, arenas will require the people to wear face masks and 16 need proof of vaccination or, you know, have had a negative test. I think there's there's some controversy around bits of this and also for the lower leagues. Um, if you open up capacity to 100%, um, it shows that children from 12 and upwards have to be vaccinated and have this proof of negative test. But I mean, that's going to make a huge difference, I suppose, A, in revenue, but also just in atmosphere um, for watching these games. Wouldn't you guys think? Definitely, yeah. Um, we, we'll not talk about the Avs and Vegas last last playoffs too much, uh, but one of the Vegas games had got like a 50% capacity or whatever. And then a few days later, they, they upped it to 70 80% capacity. And it was noticeable, the difference on TV. And that's still not 100%. It's going to be a massive, massive increase. Um, it can only be good for the players. Obviously, fans, like, you can only imagine, like, season ticket holders, how much they've missed, missed it. The ones who's not been in Canada and things like that. Um, it, it should come across 10 times better on TV uh, than it did in many parts last year. Yeah, it feels to me that ice hockey is a bit different to say football. Maybe I'm biased. I don't know. Some of you guys are football fans as well, but I feel like ice hockey feeds off the energy, the momentum, the drive, the energy that's behind the game. And like fans play a big part in that. I don't know whether like you get that in the same way in in football, I, in other sports. Am I am I biased? I think I yeah, I I, I think it, it it killed all the sports i think i find i found football you know soccer over here like really hard to watch without fans and what i it wasn't so bad if i was watching my team because i still had a kind of an interest and an investment in it but what i found really difficult was watching anything where i was neutral because it just takes all of the kind of showmanship all the pantomime all the kind of other stuff that goes on in sporting events and whether that was yeah nfl football here hockey but you're right, there is something intense about hockey and it builds up and that was really lacking and the kind of change in momentum that you get in a game can really kind of happen. I mean, you're a you're a Spurs season to get older, Matt. You know, what was it like watching them with, with no fans? Uh, <laughs> dull and boring because they were terrible. Well, there is that. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, no, I think it's going to be good. It's going to be good having the fans back on on every game. Uh, I think Craig's right. It, it made such a difference in the playoffs watching the American playoffs versus the playoffs that were in Canada at the beginning. Like we, it was completely different uh, as a fan on TV, um, just because of the atmosphere. It felt more intense felt like it was faster. I think you're right. The players feed off that energy because the fans are so close to the, the ice. Like, um, it, I think it makes such a difference. So, yeah, it'll be good. 82 games and some playoffs. Hopefully no no COVID outbreaks like last year. And uh, <laughs> Nice, wouldn't it? Everybody gets through it okay, hopefully. 
I mean, the thing is, I, I do think, like, if, if I if I think selfishly for us guys, you know, we are not in North America. It's probably quite difficult to kind of travel for many of us at the moment throughout Europe and in and out of North America. So we rely on good quality broadcasting and good commentary to really enjoy the experience of watching. I really felt like lockdown and no fans at sports really meant that a lot of the broadcasters up their games um, in terms of what they were offering. And it sounds like in North America, if we put aside what's going on in terms of UK coverage, you know, just put that out of there. In America, there's obviously some changes of who's going to be kind of, I don't know what the phrase is really, hosting certain NHL games, particularly in America. There's different broadcasters. We're hearing about ESPN is taking the lead in a lot of the NHL coverage. And they're only just announcing some of the people, the faces and um, who are part of the panels, who are part of the commentary teams. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, depending on what what packages we have available, which we'll get into, that we as fans might get to watch some of this or at least go onto the YouTube and maybe catch some some kind of after broadcast kind of clips or something. But it certainly sounds like the names that they're getting behind, like the panels and the programme teams is actually quite exciting. Oh yeah, there's there's loads going on with that, and the, there was a big kind of US change of uh, TV deal and all that kind of stuff. I suppose just to finish off this this bit where we kind of you know we we have done a bit of looking forward, but also some kind of looking back over what happened over the summer. I guess are there any other Matt? Were there any other kind of trades or free agency kind of moves that uh, caught your eye over the summer? While I try and think of some as well off the top of my head, <laughs> the um the big thing actually with free agency was it felt absolutely crazy. That's right, it did, I, didn't it? I'm trying I to think back, yeah. I don't know how many signings there were, but it was non-stop. Yeah. Um, those first couple of days, um, yeah, I, I could barely keep up with what, with what was going on. Um, in terms of trades, the, the um, flurry trade yeah. from Vegas to Chicago stands out as something that was just weird. Like, it's quite ugly. What an Chicago ugly way to got, end anything in return um and colorado uh, vegas got barely anything in return and uh, he apparently found out on twitter that he'd been traded that was denied later on but you know it just all felt a bit weird flurry saying he's not gonna he's not gonna play for chicago and now seems really happy and and chicago have got a great deal Mm. um literally for nothing i mean a vesna winning goaltender that season that was traded for a guy that I bet nobody around here can even say his name and what his name is because he's not even going to go and report to Vegas. Like it, it is crazy that that can happen. And then, yeah, as Matt said, you've got the whole thing of the way that he was told about it and all this kind of stuff as well. But yeah, you're right. Actually, I'd kind of forgotten about free agency was just this ticker tape of, of signings and this suddenly like, Oh, what? So they play there now. And he's a, he's a, he's a what? And I was, it was, Amazing. Yeah. Well, Craig, uh, how how did uh, Colorado get on in free agency? Um, not very well, to be honest. Uh, it's not key pieces taken away. Um, I think sort of Colorado, in my opinion, Colorado, Vegas and Tampa Bay were clearly the three best teams in the league last year. But I think all three of them have got worse over the summer, which should give hope to everyone else. Um, the Avs have obviously got a question mark over the net mind because Grubauer went to Seattle, couldn't afford to keep him, uh, couldn't afford to keep Brandon Saad, who comes off the second line. 
lost Jonas Donskoy in the expansion draft, who's the third, everybody's got one, the third line player who steps up when there's an injury. So you've lost your second line winger, but then you've also lost his replacement. Um, either going to juggle something around or ask a youngster to step up. Uh, like I said, questions over net minding. Vegas have got big questions over net minding. Uh, we'll probably mention Robin Leonard in a bit, but if his head's not in it and Mark andre is not there, then they've got serious questions to answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ta- Tampa Bay have lost a lot of, lot of good depth pieces, really, really good depth pieces. Um, so, so if the the Avs head in me, I'm disappointed, but as an overall league, I think it should be a lot more competitive and, and I genuinely don't know who's going to win the Cup this year. Whereas uh, probably after a few weeks last year, you, you could call it a being one of Colorado, Vegas and Tampa. Wow. I mean, Carolina Hurricanes... They lost like a, a ton of people as well. I was reading like ten regular faces. I was reading somewhere. Yeah, and the big the big one was Hamilton, wasn't it? Going to yeah. um, the Devils. Um, yeah, I think the Devils picked up a couple of couple of players um, that should be should be good. But yeah, you're right. It was surprising with Carolina because they had a good season. Um, came up against Tampa in the playoffs, um, and you kind of think. Try and try and build on that, and then they've had a bit of a bit of a weird off season. Yeah, and, and also, do you remember when they traded their goaltender as well? Didn't they? Uh, they they let their goaltender go for like nothing. One of their young upcoming goaltenders. Yeah, which... ne- yeah, Ned Gundogan-Djavojic. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you attempted that. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. He, Everybody he knows who I mean. Everybody knows. Who yeah, I mean. we do. And he was yeah. one that was like he was a young up and coming goaltender. Did really well for them. And then he was he needed a contract. And essentially they went, Nah, you're all right, and let him go. And then and then they went away and signed Freddie Anderson and Anti Ranta, kind of two kind of you know all right kind of uh, both with question marks to higher cap hits probably than. Um, Nelkovic, Nelkovic, Ned, Nelkovic, Ned was his nickname, I know. Um, but yeah, just a weird, weird off season where there was a lot of movement and such a difference to the previous off season because we were in the midst of the pandemic, and nobody knew what was happening, and everybody just seemed to stick, and there wasn't really much movement at all. And then this off season was almost like two years worth of moves happened, and yeah, if you're a kind of a passive. Um, NHL fan who's going to tune in and just kind of watch a few games this season. You're going to look at a lot of players and go, I did not know you play for that team. Joe yes. Thornton is a Florida Panther. Who knew? Things like that. It's going to be a, it's going to be fun. <laughs> I mean, coaches changes as well. Um, uh, no, uh, New York Rangers, uh, Gerard Gallant, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, Brad Larson, uh, Arizona Coyotes, Andre Turigny. Tur- uh, that's that's my best French. I don't, don't know worry, how to you say don't, you his name. Know about anything to do with Arizona this year. They are going to be bad. One thing about Arizona, though, is they have changed their logo and their jerseys. And actually, it looks really good. It's a nod to their 2003. Um, they haven't used it since 2003, have they? But actually, it looks quite good. So if you Google one thing today, check out the Coyotes' um, new jersey. So while we're talking about um, the Arizona Coyotes, the only real thing to note um, for the Coyotes this year is that they move division. And the reason why they move division is because there is a brand new team. You may have, if you're a follower of uh, a podcast that uh, we all like, 31 Thoughts, you may wonder why they've rebranded to 32 Thoughts. And the reason is because there are now 32 teams in the NHL. 
that is because the Seattle Kraken join the league. Now, I kind of actually, I must have lied earlier when I told you about Kotkaniemi was the kind of first thing that kind of captured my interest in uh, in the kind of hockey world over the off season. The Seattle draft caught my interest big time, and I I, I described this to somebody um, who knows nothing about NHL, um, and we were chatting about sports, and I was I was explaining. Oh, there's this new team coming into the NHL. It's quite exciting because they get to essentially go around and pick a player from every team. And the guy was like, what? They said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this new team comes up. They essentially get an entire budget of a team, so 90 million, whatever. And they get to pick a player from each team. And then they have to move and play for that team. And I suddenly realized, as I was saying it, how ridiculous that sounds. <laughs> to like a, to a UK sports fan. Imagine a new team coming into the Premier League and them going, right, I'll have you and I'll have you and you've got to... And I mean, there's loads more rules about it. You can protect players, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, the big stars don't go. But what was fascinating, and it links to what we were saying earlier about um, the way there was so much movement um, in this off-season, was the players that were left exposed for Seattle to pick from were insane. Like the type of players that they could have picked up. Carrie Price to name one, a goaltender who dragged his team kicking and screaming to the Stanley Cup final, was there, able just to be plucked from the Montreal Canadiens and inserted as the Seattle Kraken. Of course, you've got to take their cap hit with you. So instantly, that's a big turnoff for somebody like Carey Price because it's $10 million of your cap gone instantly. So there was all sorts of interesting things that went on there, but there were loads of players who were offered up and... Even really in the build-up to the expansion draft, people weren't sure which way the the Kraken were going to go. Were they going to go the kind of Vegas route, which was to go and pick a kind of Frankenstein's monster of all of these good players or all these players who are slightly kind of getting towards the end of their peak and maybe are on not great contracts, but combine them all together and give them a common cause and suddenly you've got a team like Vegas. And there was kind of that train of thought. And then there was the other train of thought, which turned out to, to be right, where they essentially went, no, no, no. What we are going to do is we are going to have cap space, which is what they've got. So they've had, the, even now, I think they've got something like eight or nine million dollars in cap space. And we are going to pick young um, well, young players on good contracts in positions that um, are kind of, you know, people want in the NHL. So they, they went for defensemen mainly most of their big picks were defensemen and then they went for a few players but the you know the largest cap hit on that team is I mean it looks like well it was a it was a free agent they went Philip Grubauer um in the end but it's kind of 5.5 5.5 for forwards are the highest 4.6 um or sorry Mark Giordano's 6.7 so they're all kind of quite middle to low contracts that they filled out with but a lot of youth in there and interesting that they chose that so they're probably not going to be a contender this year but watch out for them in a few years when all of those mature and if they've made some good bets then i mean i don't know about you guys were you surprised that that was the approach that they took as opposed to the kind of gear up let's get james van Riemsdyk and carry price and let's go for the cup now i just looked at the team when it first came out i was like who are they i didn't know who anyone was and i was like i've been following this league yeah. like six years I don't know any of those names and but what you say makes sense because actually they're just all kind of young like lower kind of cost contracts to free up the cap space for when things get really juicy I mean I've kind of heard the words like 
gritty and aggressive attached to the kind of identity or predicted identity because that's the thing people don't really know how to kind of prepare for a game against them and the preseason doesn't really show much of you know a team's real teeth does it you don't get to see that until you kick off but you know just I mean I, I all I could do was just kind of say right you know GM is Ron Francis what do I know about him um, you know, coach Dave uh, Hasdorff. Hasdorff, yeah. He was obviously, you know, he's not new to the NHL. He was assistant coach in Maple Leafs under Babcock and also Sheldon Keefe. Before that was at the Flyers. It didn't end too pretty, let's be honest. Um, it, you know, it, it, and like looking at the owners, I mean, geez, one of the owners, one of three owners was the producer of Top Gun and the Pirates of the Caribbean. This is what I'm clutching at. You know, the name of their their arena is the Climate Pledge Arena. It's owned by and named by Amazon. That's all I've got. That's literally all I, I've got on this team. It's weird. I actually think they've got a decent team. I, I, I agree. They're not going to be contenders. But I actually think what they've done is quite, quite clever. Um, they've picked up players on those mid-range contracts who are going to get opportunities and more minutes than what they were getting. And it's a bit of a gamble, but players like Jan Croak, uh, Wemberg, Donskoy, Yanni Gord, you know, Yanni Gord's won two cups. Like they've got winners in there and they've got those, those players, they were third or second liners. They're going to get more minutes. Um, the defence isn't terrible. Their top four defence is pretty good. Alexiak, Larson, Giordano and Dunn. Like, they're not going to be bottom of the league. Um, no. I'm sure I'm sure Craig's got an opinion on their, their goaltending, as we as we kind of alluded to. I think picking up um, Grubauer um, was a good pickup. I'm not sure about the contract that they've given him. Um, I probably wouldn't have given him that much. Um, but Drieger as well from, from Florida, he had a good season. Um, so, you know, their goaltending is going to be half decent as well. I, I think it's quite clever. What what surprises me is that they've gone for a lot of people who next year are UFA or RFA. I think they've got 20 contracts to try and sort out next year. Woo. So they're going to have a busy summer, um, but potentially got a lot of cap space. So they might have some some things in the pipeline that um, that they've they've already got planned. But yeah, Craig, what, what was your take on it? Um, well, we'll we'll talk netminders first. Uh, if Chris Drieger plays like he did at the start of the last season for Florida, then there's definitely a case to be made that Seattle's got the best netminding duo in the league. There really is, um, which is which is bizarre for a for a, um, a team that passed up on Carey Price. But then that's why they passed up on Carey Price because because they they'd obviously got this long game in with uh, with targeting Grubauer. Um, I think if the NHL could have placed them anywhere, they would put them exactly where they are because they are destined to make the playoffs in the worst division in the NHL. Um, They're perfectly placed. They won't get anywhere near Vegas. Uh, Nobody will in that division. But other than Edmonton, when McDavid shows up and when he doesn't show up, it's it's a miss. There's nobody else in that division. To me, at worst, they finish third and make the playoffs. Um, The only issue that I would have with Seattle and what they've done um, I agree. I think they've been very smart with with contracts, but in a couple of years' time, two, three years' time, if things work out really well, Anaheim and LA have got a lot, a lot of young prospects who are coming up. That division is going to be very good in two or three years. If Seattle sort of get to the first round of the playoffs for the next two or three years, 
then they're going to have mid-range picks. So they've got to work with what they've got and they've got to they've got to have some wins with the players that they've gambled on. Like like you say, they've made a lot of gambles and th- those need to come well for them because they're going to be picking sort of 15th, 16th, 18th, wherever in the drafts. Um, whereas- they, sorry, sorry, but have they made gambles? Because I was feeling the opposite. I was interested when Matt was saying that as well. I think they've, I think they've played it safe in a way because essentially by, by having so few contracts signed long-term, they've given themselves... Uh, any number of room for for kind of future moves they've not really apart from that Grubauer who they've signed long term Jamie Alexiak who's a good bet and Jaden Schwartz there's not really anyone who signed long term so I almost think that they've played it safe and they've banked on the fact that some of these will be good some of them won't we've got the room to play and really this is going to be two or three years of decision making as opposed to one year and let's let's gamble on what's available to us right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, sort of the the gamble side of it to me is that they've plucked out a lot of, for example, third liners, and they're going to try and turn them into second liners, however. Yeah. And if yeah. if those don't work out, and that's combined with let's say getting beat in the first round of the playoffs for the next two years and picking fifteenth or whatever they do in the draft. Hey, until you get beaten in the first round of the playoffs for like six or seven times, you ain't going to worry, Craig. Like it's not a worry until it's like eight or nine. All right. Less yeah, <laughs> um, so I think they're in a perfect position now. Um, I, I just hope that they can work things out amongst themselves. Because, like I said, I, that division is, is really poor at the minute. But in maybe three years' time, it's, it's going to be a good division, and they're going to have a lot more competition. The real winners here, though, by the way, are the NHL, as you kind of alluded to, Craig. Because as, as you write, they are in a terrible division, and they stand a chance of making the playoffs. And guess who is going to be their closest competitor to get into the playoffs? the Vancouver Canucks, the geographical rivals that the NHL wanted to create. And the stars have aligned for Gary Bettman that it looks like the Canucks and the Kraken are going to be fighting out for that third spot, which is just, you could not make that better for the NHL. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and if, and I don't think they will for a second, but if anyone else gets into it, it's probably going to be Calgary. And again, you've got Calgary and and Vancouver. (laughs) So so everything's rosy. Honestly, if the NHL could pick Seattle up as a city and put it anywhere, they would put it exactly where they've been landed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's true. I like Although on their Wikipedia. On that, oh, sorry, go on, Claire. I was just going to say on the Wikipedia page. I, as a you know Leafs fan, I took pleasure out of seeing like the little template they have on the right hand side, and it says Stanley Cups zero, Conference Championships zero, President's Trophy zero, Division Championships. Zero. Are we, on the like, Le- are we on the Leafs or the Kraken here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. In the last 10 years. <laughs> In the last 50 years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Interesting as well with Vancouver, just because we very briefly kind of mentioned them then. Uh, big news this week for them was Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes signing for them. And uh, there was a lot of talk about whether they were going to be able to do that. And they've missed the start of training camp and, um, it was a real difficult cap situation in Vancouver because of the signing of Oliver Edmund Larson and all this kind of stuff. But they have managed to get them to pretty good deals. It seems to be the the kind of the judgment on them is that they're pretty fair for both sides. Pettersson signed a, a, a bridge deal for three years at 7.35. Um, he's then an RFA then after that. So kind of, kind of has a potential fourth year if he wants it. And then Quinn Hughes signing the long-term deal um, for 7.85 million, which takes him right through to beyond kind of 2026, 20, 27. So mm. it, the, the Canucks have gone from a team that 
you know, had a good run not long ago and then a real disappointing season to now they've really got to try and win in these next few years. Whether they've got a team that's good enough to do it or not, who knows? But. Okay, well, let's move on to our third period. Seattle was our second. Let's go on to the third period. Uh, Jolon, open the, the door on this. Um, two people involved in this part of the period. Complex, I must say, Robin Lenner and Jack Eichel. Gary yeah. Batman at least has kind of been able to say a few things so we can kind of report the NHL's view now. But gosh, this just got messy, didn't it? This is a, I mean, this is a horrible situation. And I know we kind of, you know, we like to have a, a laugh and a joke about things on this podcast and, and kind of look at the lighter side of it. But but really, this is just a horrible situation. And um, I, I guess really we should start with the Jack Eichel element of this. Um, and this is that he's in a long running dispute with his team, the Buffalo Sabres. Um, those of you who don't know, Jack Eichel is kind of one of the superstars in the league. He's a centre over $10 million a year. He um, he really is a kind of a, a special, special player. And um, But he's had his injury problems and he's got a problem with his um, neck and back. And um, the basically, and you know, we're not going to go into the detail of, of it all, but there are kind of articles and podcasts. And actually, if you are interested in this, I fully recommend the 31 Thoughts podcast that they did about this subject, where they interviewed one of the doctors involved. And um, it's essentially the team and the player can't decide what type of surgery um, that Jack Eichel has to fix this problem. And part of the problem is that within the kind of collective bargaining agreement that the players sign with the league, the league or sorry, the teams do kind of own certain parts of your kind of body in terms of what they can allow you to do. And, and when it comes to injury recovery and they've kind of got to this stalemate where everyone knows Jack Eichel wants out of Buffalo Buffalo know it. Buffalo fans know it. Jack Eichel knows it. But he's injured. And we don't know whether he can even play at the moment because he hasn't had this surgery. And, and he failed they... his physical and then got stripped yeah. of his captaincy. I mean, stripped of his captaincy. talk about kicking a guy when he's down. Well, not only that, but I mean, kicking a guy when he's down from a team like Buffalo, who, let's face it, you go and have a look at their roster and it is a joke. Like, they are going to be... Uh, the only people they're going to be battling for bottom place in the NHL is themselves. I, it is going to be brutal there for them. And the the fact that they're kind of holding on to this, you know, this this one final asset that they have, Rasmus Darlene aside, um, and, you know, and kind of away from all of the hockey stuff and away from all that kind of, uh, you know, worst team and all this kind of stuff is the fact that, like, there is a sensational hockey player in Jack Eichel who is having his career kind of literally stifled and uh, people will kind of come down on both sides of the argument. And it's not as simple as the team versus the player because there are medical professionals who agree with the team and there are medical professionals who agree with the player. However, the, the, you know, the story here is there is a player who is literally trapped at a team who is kind of, you know, they're, they're, I mean, he can't play hockey and, you know, hockey careers are short and his trade value, then going back to the team bit, he's obviously who's going to trade for him now because no team is able to put $10 million of cap onto their team without, uh, you know, even a guarantee that he's going to be half the player he was before. So just a really horrible, messy situation. And it's interesting that the NHL have acknowledged that they've come out. I mean, obviously, as a result of what we'll mention in a second about yeah. Robin Lenner bringing this situation 
um, to the forefront. But, you know, Gary Bettman, NHL commissioner, said, look, this is a terrible situation. They are in conversations with them all and just said people need to be patient. It's not fair to point fingers. Um, but obviously, Robin Leonard didn't really agree with that. And he put some tweets out over the weekend, really highlighting, in his opinion, um, how certain teams kind of mistreat players. Um, it went on to get a bit more complicated in that he insinuated that certain teams are handing out um, prescription drugs, uh, mostly um, things like sleeping pills or things that um, stop anxiety or insomnia. Um, and then he kind of like linked in um, Elaine Vignolt, however you say his name, with the Philadelphia Flyers. And and it was just kind of like initially it was like, whoa, what, what, what are you doing? And he kind of put out this thing. Well, you know, we need to speak about this. I've got so many stories. I'll post a story every day. You know, let's just watch the NHL cancel me. And I understand that, you know, it's been confirmed in the last few hours that the NHL have had finally now, you know, we're here on Tuesday. I mean, these tweets went out on Saturday. Talk about not just shutting it down straight away, but they have had a conversation with him and he seems to kind of feel that he has been heard and that there could potentially um, be action as a result of this. But it just kind of seems like quite out there, I suppose, that a guy who is in contract potentially could be the number one goaltender for his team, the the Vegas Golden Knights, as you suggest, who were like, what's really going on there? Um, You know, and it's not the first time he's kind of had these outbursts. I kind of don't want to give the guy like kind of a, you could be seeing as being slightly unhinged, but he's also raising quite important issues that are kind of like behind, I suppose, the business of what goes into hockey. What do you guys think? The, the thing with Leonard is that he he is outspoken, but he also has been outspoken on on important topics like depression, which he suffered with himself. And I think these outbursts almost, um, for me anyway, have a bit more weight because they're coming from Leonard, who has, uh, I mean, if he'd speech at the um, NHL Awards a couple of years back when he won. Um, did he win the Vesna, I think? And he, his speech was brilliant on on mental health and things. And he's an advocate for that. And I think... He suffers from bipolar. He's quite out. Yeah, and, and he's, he's... I think there was a couple of games in the playoffs last year that he didn't play because he, he turned up to the rink and he just wasn't good enough to play. And he was very open about that. And I think it's quite refreshing to have NHL players actually have an opinion on things. Um, they're often quite quite shut down and, and told not to talk to the media about certain things. You know, you get the, the same interview from every player. So I think he's obviously seen some things that he doesn't like and he's willing to speak up on them. And, and that's kind of commendable. Whether it should have happened on Twitter. I mean, Gary uh, Bettman said, we've got an 0800 number you could call. But Yeah, in an interview. Bit, yeah. Um, you don't bit, need to tweet to get our attention is what he said. Yeah. Yeah, so but you are, but you obviously do. Like that yeah, is the thing yeah. with Gary Bettman. Like he says that, and it's like, well, you, you know, you quoted him, Claire, about saying with the Jack Eichel situation, you know, people need to be patient and you know not rush to it and and let these things play out. They have, like, it's got to the point now where they're at a training camp for a new season, and he still hasn't had the surgery, and there's no publicly anywhere. There's no closer to that kind of agreement, and with Robin Leonard. He's been talking about stuff before and it it Mm. takes these outbursts on Twitter for the NHL to seemingly 
take any interest in it. So the fact he can come out and say that is just ridiculous because he should be asking himself the question, well, why does Robin Leonard feel that the only option is to go out on Twitter in an outburst? And this is not, I mean, you can go and read it on his Twitter account. It's all still there. This is not a kind of carefully crafted PR stunt in any way, shape or form. You know, this is a, a stream of consciousness from a guy who's obviously going through a really tough time and seeing, you know, another player who he respects going through a really tough time. He says, one tweet I'll read that he says is, he says, I'm 100% an NHL fan, love hockey and want the NHL to be great. I'm not trying to destroy anything, but to do what's right. It's time to walk away from the old ways and in with the new. Things have to change. I talk way too much and I still have a 90% filter on. Like, I mean, if he is saying that, that he has a 90% filter on and he's coming up with stuff like this, I mean... Like, of course, the NHL are going to start taking him seriously because they'll be like, well, what what's what else next? Gonna... Yeah, but the, what confuses me, I think, is when he kind of starts bringing in the Flyers and, you know, and their head coach into this. Yeah. But they're not kind of following through and explaining what, what does he mean and kind of almost tying that to imply that they were dishing out pills to their players. It kind of got muddied. I think a little bit. Yeah, he, I like... he clarified that later on. He said yeah. that it was to do with how the Flyers treated the players rather than them handing out pills. But, but Chris, yeah. I mean, I was listening to Chris Johnson's new podcast on The Athletic earlier today, and he, he was he's talking like an about NHL it. insider, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, he used to work at Sportsnet and, and now he's kind of gone independent. Um, and he's got a great podcast out, which is really good for kind of hockey news fans. And um, he was saying that, you know, while not specifically uh, kind of linked to anybody in the kind of what Robin Leonard was saying, but he says he knows of, of players who've talked about, you know, teams dishing out pain pills and pills that kind of, you know, keep you awake at night and all of this kind of stuff. And and it, it sounds like it, there is a kind of a real unspoken problem here. And it looks like Robin Leonard has has kind of. You know, while while I agree with you, Claire, in terms of he has got a bit scattergun in terms of, you know, how he's talked through some of this stuff. Um, he he really has kind of shot a few shots in different directions. And that's probably why Bettman has suddenly decided he now thinks it's a good time to talk. Mm, it's a kind of a watch horrible situation, though. Horrible yeah. situation. And from a guy that, to be fair... And what's incredible about Robin Leonard is he's gone through all of this kind of personal turmoil. He's had substance abuse problems, all of these kind of things. And yet he is performing like there is no tomorrow. And if there's ever, you know, the narrative around where you can't speak up because it could affect your performance. Well, I mean, Robin Leonard's proven that that's not the case. Like he has proven that he can both perform and do a lot of this work um, all in one go, which is remarkable, really incredible guy. <laughs> Okay, well, that's kind of a, a, a crude sum up. You know, there's so many things that we kind of really would love to kind of go into detail, but we already knew that this episode was going to be quite a long one because, hey, we're back. There's a lot to talk about. Hey, an, hour, um, an hour long, Claire. That, that's short in the old days for us. I think our first podcast was about two hours long. <laughs> like, so, I mean, it's not over yet. We've got oh, yeah, overtime <laughs> to talk about, right? We've we've opened this uh, new like kind of thing, which we're going to take it in turns whenever we need to just get something off our chest. And you're only allowed 60 seconds to do so, which I have to say, it's not very long. Um, we've got a timer, which has dramatic music. Um, and Craig is going to step to the plate this week because he's got something that he yeah. needs to have a good rant about. Could you just tell us the title of your rant, please? 
Um, well, what is it about? Why Why is it so hard to watch hockey in the UK? <laughs> Wrong time why? of day. Oh, sorry, it's not question and answer. Sorry. <laughs> why, why, why can NHL not face off at like 5pm UK yeah. every day? I think we need more than 60 seconds. Yeah. Uh, that's changing the whole planet. Yes. Um, so basically, it's about uh, why can we as UK TV viewers not really watch NHL on our own UK channels? Um I'm going to hit play and we're going to find out how on earth this goes. It's rough and ready. Yeah, so so basically, I, I'm ever so frustrated. We're, we're a week away from the start of the season. We all want to watch NHL hockey and we know that we can watch it on NHL TV, but we don't know how much we can watch on NHL TV. We don't know what other subscriptions we already have that we need to keep, what we need to cancel. If there's anything else we need to buy that's new, if there's anything that's on free to view TV for, for some unknown reason, why the NHL would do that for us? Um, and it's just so annoying. I just can't think of another sport that would do this. Um, it highlights the fact that we're, we're at the back of the queue, to be honest, as international fans, which I don't like. Uh, it annoys me, but, but that's the fact. It highlights the fact that nobody's really that interested in UK hockey. Uh, hopefully there's something um, everybody will be on very different sides of the fence. Some people would love NHL TV only to save money, uh, which he would do. Others would love the league to be showcased. And that's pretty much it. It's 2-1-0. Oh, Super. Super. That was brilliant. Hey, hey, Craig. Oh, yeah. amazing. Wow. Do you see how that works, Jolon? He can duck to 60 seconds. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe anyone can make a really good point in 60 seconds. You've just proven my entire theory about this podcast wrong. <laughs> I can't wait for the week where Jolon has to do it. <laughs> Look, how, I mean, how many 60 seconds can I have? <laughs> you make a really valid point, and, and you're not alone, Craig, in, in there being frustration amongst UK NHL fans. I mean, you know, just, just looking... Um, you know, on, on our Twitter feed, UK Dallas Stars fanatics, if they're going to do a deal, then they're leaving it really late. It seems to, you know, that they're really heavily into promoting the elite league, as in the UK Ice Hockey League right now, as they're the official sponsor. But I'm all for any exposure of the British game. Uh, you know, like a Seattle fan here, Beneath the Pond, says, I'm wondering if they will show Seattle's first ever NHL game. That's going to be like a moment you want to look forward to. You want to know... Am I going to like turn up and put my alarm in the middle of the night and then basically hit play and there's a blackout? You need to know, right? And we should already know. Not We, we should have known weeks ago, really, yeah. to be honest. You know, there's there's no TV deals get done this late. Um, it's, it's, it's just wrong. It's it's very, very frustrating. Um, that is, everybody will be on different sides. There's people looking forward to no premier spots so they can save some money. And, and you know, that that's, that's good. We'll all save some money. Mm. Um, but then at the other end of it is... We, we want the NHL to be on UK TV somewhere, wherever that is, uh, in front of as many people's eyes as possible. Because at the end of the day, we would love for more NHL fans here because the more fans we have here, the more exposure we'll get here, the better threat we'll get here. And who knows, we might even have another game here eventually. Again, but, yeah. You know, you know, that, maybe I'm going to be too, too big with that. But who knows? We can I remember... I, yeah, we can dream. I just remember um, when I was last year, I think it was last year or the year before maybe, um, and obviously I had the Premier Sports channel and so I was watching the games there and then if it weren't on that, I had my NHL TV subscription so I'd watch on that, so the two subscriptions. And then I was like, oh, okay, so this game, right, it's not on Premier Sports so I go on, log on to NHL TV and um, it's blacked out. And I'm like, huh? 
No. So I go back and check all the premier sports channels, free sports, blah, 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 all of them. Not there. I'm like, where is this game? And I thought, why is it blacked out? And I keep going back and forth. And this is like midnight on a Tuesday. I've probably got work the next day. So I'm then starting to get irritated. And then I'm about to go to bed and I just scroll through the Sky Planner. There is our BT Sport. And I was like, where has oh. this come from? Well, do you know what? That... Like this insanely soft launch. By the way, I'm committed to talking about this for longer than Craig did in his 60 seconds, by the way, just to prove <laughs> point. But anyway, but just in this, like, I couldn't believe with no fanfare or anything or no announcement, yeah. this game just appears on BT Sport. So, this, I mean, we there's no way we're going to get an announcement about this. It's just going to happen and it's going to appear on like More 4 or Channel 5 one day. I'm going to be like, <laughs> oh, there it is. Cool. Great. Yeah, you know what? You make a valid point because, uh, in the interest of being a true journalist, I did send a uh tweet from our NHL fans from afar, uh, to Premier Sports, to Free Sports, to Aaron Murph, um, Aaron Murphy, uh, who normally does some of the commentating. Um, they haven't replied yet, but if they do, we will share it on our account. I didn't tweet, I'm, BT I'm very Sports, glad, though. I'm, I'm very glad Premier Sports don't reply to their uh tweets about um about the NHL BT, coverage because um, i have sent some horrible things yeah i imagine very divisive <laughs> yes uh, i think some people are pleased just to watch any game others are like can i watch the whole game maybe with that adverts in the middle of the period a fourth game in a row where the sounds out of sync with the pictures are you kidding at premier sports <laughs> wow okay future partnership opportunities <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been many months since we have all got together and talked NHL, and it has been a delight. Uh, I think um, there is only one thing that we should do. Um, I think we need to do a screenshot um, of oh, yeah. all of us. Everybody, everybody, uh, just get ready now. Just warm up your cheeks and smile as we. Uh, I'm snuggling into Joe Thornton's beard, who is my uh, background on Zoom. There we go. We have taken the picture. Has everybody got their eyes open? Yes, we have. We will share that on our Twitter at NHL fans from afar. Uh, and we would love to hear from you as well. You know, are you looking forward to the season? Well, there's been the big changes in your team. Were you doomed last season? Is there hope this season? You know, or is it the way around? We just love to hear from you. We always like to welcome your thoughts on things we should be talking about and maybe your thoughts on the things we are talking about. Um, so yeah. Very quickly and finally, just all NHL fans, if you're interested in hockey and you want to know a little bit more, I I highly recommend if you're not a Leafs fan, go and watch All or Nothing on Amazon Prime if you've got that, talking about TV rights. It is a fascinating insight into how hockey runs. It's like all the other All or Nothings about all the other sports. So if you're a hockey fan, go and watch it. It's great. If you're a Leafs fan, do yourself a favour. Don't. It's painful. <laughs> I was just really amazed about how they all swear, like the swearing <laughs> yeah. that goes yeah. on. And there's, there's an F word in every sentence. And then Sh- you Sheldon them. Keith has got a potty mouth. <laughs> when I heard John Tavares swear for the first Wrong. time, I was absolutely horrified. That guy is a poster boy for children coming through the ranks. And there he is swearing freely on Prime Video. This, this may mean nothing to anyone other than Matt, but John Tavares giving a dressing room speech is a little bit like watching Harry Kane. Like, you'd just prefer them to get on the ice and do their thing because they're much better at that. Ah, <laughs> right. Watch the all or nothing of that and compare the two. Enjoy um, the start of the season. We'll be back in a couple of weeks um, to recap what's happened so far. And let's face it, anything can happen at this point in the season. Enjoy your hockey. Enjoy your hockey.